This is Kenny in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. Live again Thursday night, Zach. Uh, a lot happened last weekend, obviously NFL draft. And I wanted to give you the floor to start out the show because you have a victory lap to take and it is in your right to take it. I'm going to step aside for a second. It's not even a, a victory lap because I, I don't like being this. I don't like you being wrong. Yes, you I, do. I enjoy you being wrong when you were so, so determined and so I don't know. It was so ingrained in you that you knew that you knew something and it didn't happen for anybody that missed it. This young man said multiple times that Jack Cohn was going to get drafted. Jack Cohn is getting drafted in April. He said this. I did. He tweeted it. You bookmarked it. I saw it and I booked our bookmarked it the moment it happened. <laughs> and I got to come back to that bookmark last weekend because Jack Cohn did not get drafted. You know who did get drafted? Ugh. Bailey Zappi. I, Bailey Zappi did. I, so I had a take ready that if he did not get drafted, but also a lot of the other lower-level quarterbacks didn't, then I could have said, oh, they think they're just going to sign them. It was a weird quarterback year. But then Brock Porter got taken with the last pick. There were a lot of ugh, Mr. Co- Irrelevant. Yeah, quarterbacks that went. Jack Cohn was not one of them. I put out my immediate release on my Twitter, my press release to the masses, I said, I think we should all consider the fact that this was a much deeper draft class, top to bottom, because of the NCAA's COVID eligibility waiver, which made last year's class very small. There were more people that stayed around in college last year instead of entering the draft. I, I, and it led to a lot of impact on drafted free agent signings, and there were a lot of NFL caliber players and quarterbacks that weren't drafted. That is my statement. That's your statement. Uh, the quarterbacks being drafted... The, or the lack thereof would, would kind of suggest that this wasn't a very good quarterback class. It like, wasn't. It, it was a bad quarterback class, and Jack Cohn still couldn't get drafted. The thing is, I don't like that you were wrong about it, that you were wrong about Jack Cohn. I like Jack Cohn. Like, I, I hope he has a ton of success. Like, I hope he makes a team in, in Indianapolis. I wish it was anybody but Jack Cohn. Like, I wish it would have been, like, some other random guy that you had were just – certain certain was going to get drafted because you have such as big draft mind in this big college brain college football brain that you carry around on your shoulders i don't even know how you do it sometimes but like <laughs> that did you know all these things and this that this is guaranteed going to happen i wish it was somebody other than jack home but it, uh, it had to be jack and when i went back to look at your tweets look for your tweets Good Lord, man, you tweeted about Jack Cohn a lot. I think, that's, lot. I think like, that's an overreaction. It is not. Anybody go search. I, I, I might just go start retweeting every single tweet you had about Jack, about Jack Cohn, but I, that would leave me like, with a thou, like adding 1,000 tweets to my, to my list. Um, I don't even know. Like, does the J key still work on your computer? Because <laughs> for as many times you typed out Jack Cohn, like, it's impossible. Like, I don't even know how it works anymore. You tweeted about him a lot. 
Either way, he didn't get drafted. You were wrong. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so now, now I, I, I did own it. Uh, it was not the best Saturday uh, on this side of the table. But now I guess we could table this until he probably doesn't make the Colts roster and then the crow continues to get eaten. Actually, I hope he does. Again, I hope he does, too. I like Jack. Like, I, it sucks that it was Jack Cohen. Like, start tweeting about somebody, something, somebody else more uh, and we can go that route. Like Casey Thompson, your, your love. Well, your love for Nebraska. Like, that's another thing. But like, that has changed. This is for our this is a summer topic for the preview episode. Nebraska is not they're going to go five and two in their first seven games. And because they are so thin and bad at defensive line and for a little bit offensive line the the last four games are all Big Ten West teams that run the football. They're going to lose their last four games and miss a bowl game again. I'm getting out in front of it again. Put it on that one. I hope you're right. Like who likes Nebraska outside of the state of Nebraska? Nobody. So. But that's, again, you're right. That's a topic for another day. And Jack Cohn was the topic for today. And uh, you were wrong about him. It's okay. It happens. Um, I'm sure you'll be, I'm sure you'll never be wrong about anything ever again. Ever. Uh, especially when it comes to college football. All right. Big news. We have Wisconsin men's basketball coach later in the program, Greg Gard, joining us. It's going to be around 630. Uh, good talk with Greg Gard. Uh, guarding against cancer. He has an event at the Kohl Center this Saturday, raising money for cancer uh, research and treatment in the state of Wisconsin. We are talking to him about that as well as the state of college athletics, which is where we're going to start today. 608-321-1670 is how you get involved with the program. You could follow us on Twitter at Kenny underscore Heilprin. Uh, and, and as always, the podcast is up a little bit after the conclusion of the show. So to set the, to set the stage a little bit, I, the college athletic landscape has changed drastically really since a year ago near today. April 28th last year, the one-time transfer rule was put in. And then later on July 1st, college athletes were allowed to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Now, for the most, like everybody when that happened had positive reaction to it. It's something that was a long time coming. It is not just TV execs and people at the head of conferences making the money. Now, at least the players who generate all this money are allowed to see some of it. Now, today, it has become a little bit of chaos because we are in a free market of both NIL and a free market of the transfer portal. Just recently, in the last couple of weeks, you have Bolitnikoff winner for best receiver in the country, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, entered the portal after there was a report out there that Lincoln Riley at USC came to him and said, hey, we'll give you $3 million or whatever the number was, NIL money, to leave Pittsburgh and come to USC. Now, the problem with that was he was not yet in the portal, and also it shouldn't be coaches that are going and doing that. So there's become this whole pay-for-play thing. And then you go to Miami, where on their basketball team, they bring in a transfer, and then Isaiah Wong said to the booster, and then it was tweeted, I think, by the booster, that he needs more NIL money there or he'll leave. So it's it's a crazy world we live in now, I guess, and it's one that's changing by the week and, and really by the day. Now you have the SEC and Pac-12 commissioner going to the Senate to ask for help cracking down on this pay-for-play. The NCAA is trying to crack down, but we'll see how that goes. And then you have coaches proposing transfer portal windows. I guess to start, I ask you, what do you think right now of where college athletics, specifically, obviously, football and men's basketball, the big money makers, where do you think they are right now? And do you think this is sustainable, the path we're going down? Today? Today. On May 5th? May 5th. Not a good spot. Mm. And 
I'm echoing what you'll hear later on uh, with Greg Gard and our conversation with him. Um, it, it's not. It's not in a great spot right now, but it's also not unexpected. Like anybody that thought that this was going, like when you don't have any true, true rules in place, like when there's there's no uh, crackdown on people that are not following the rules the way that uh, allegedly that they're supposed to go. Like some of these, st- tw- I think 27 states have NLI rules. Are they abiding by them? Are they just going ahead and doing whatever they want? I think it's probably doing whatever they want. And then you have these other states like Wisconsin that don't have the NIL rules in place that uh, are able to kind of just do whatever they want, even though you're, this is not supposed to be involved in recruiting. It's not supposed to be involved in trying to get guys, you know, pay for play and that type of stuff like that. It's not supposed to be that. And yet we all knew exactly what was going to happen. And this is what, and in, them, in my opinion, this is what happens when the NCAA drags their feet for so long. Like this was going to happen. And they dragged their feet and dragged their feet and pushed it off and, and even looked and went to the, went to the uh, uh, government and, and asked them for legislation. <laughs> but this, like, that was like last year. No surprise that didn't work. That was last year. And this, is a pro- this was something that was going to be coming. You knew people were going to start pushing for it. And the fact is, uh, you know, now they're in the spot that they are. Like they, I mean, they got smacked down by the Supreme Court. So it's not like if, if the case was like some kind of, it got to the Supreme Court, right, obviously. Um, but pretty much everybody knew the way it was going to go when it got there. So, the again, the NCAA, Mark Emmert obviously having to step down. We knew this was going to be the issues. And while I, um, I guess maybe, I don't even know the words appreciate the effort, I guess, now from from certain aspects of uh, the college athletics, I don't know how you put it back in, put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. Um, the only thing you could say is it, it turns into the pro model, right? It turns into collective bargaining. It turns into making these people employees. It turns into that type of stuff. And maybe, maybe you can get, you can somehow put a cap on uh, on the potential earning power of these people, but I of the players and everybody around them. But I just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think a common thing brought up, and we've heard this for years, is some sort of commissioner or some sort of of leadership figure for football and for basketball. Because Mark Emmert was not really acting as a commissioner for college football. That was more up to the conferences. Really, it became up to the college football playoff, where you saw a lot of the scheduling happen. They're like, oh, we need to go do this because we want to make our resume look good for the playoff people. And that's a separate story. But I, I definitely think the movement towards some type of pro model where uh, power five football, maybe power five basketball breaks off from the NCAA. I think that's inevitable because you can't really take a step back from where we are right now. Like uh, Ohio state uh, athletic director, Gene Smith said, give college football to the college football playoff committee and, and that whole entity and, and not the NCAA, which the, the playoff committee is, is certainly untouchable, right? Well, they also believe in ESPN FPI instead of SP plus, which is a different problem in, in and of itself. There's another, there's another thing that, that you tweeted on about. I will write that down as well. We can get to that during the summer, <laughs> but I, I think we are beyond return because once these boosters and once the colleges see the power and see this freedom that has been granted to them, no matter what legislation or regulation you put in place, they will find a way around it. Like the NCAA can't just go and say, Hey, we're going to make rules that if you are paying for play and not just allowing, say someone sells t-shirts, then we're going to crack down on that. 
But then I guarantee you go down to the boosters in Miami, you go to the boosters at USC, and they'll have receipts. They'll find some way to fabricate uh, that it wasn't just to pay for play. I don't think there's any way that they could go back to anything close to the model it was even last year. So, yeah, I, I think it's inevitable that we're headed towards it all breaking off. Now, how does that look? I have no idea. I like I can wrap my head around uh, Super League. Well, a Super League, they break off. The players are treated as some kind of employee. They collectively bargain with probably what's going to be a really weak union. Uh, the salaries, if you will. Maybe you have some type of franchise tag. I've seen that thrown out there. It's wildly complicated, but I think it's inevitable at this point. I, I mean, I, I agree. Super League, though. Super League, right? That Everyone was making fun of that last year. like Because, because we all saw the Super League with over in Europe like that it was all it was that's what it was going to go to and oh what would a what would a college football super league look like and now all of a sudden it's like why don't you take that, that, that doesn't sound horrible at this point <laughs> like yeah no, take, it sounds like a great idea but I question I question unless unless that happens can Wisconsin compete in this current climate which is something we kind of talked about last week and I want to touch on that when we come back because it is a very valid question. It's one we're going to talk about uh, probably forever now uh, because of the big money that's out there, because of what we saw in Colton Bartholomew's article uh, last week and talked about last week. So we'll touch on that next. Greg Gard is joining us about 15 minutes from now at 6.30. It's Kenny and Halprin, 608-321-1670 is how you get a hold of the program. We're going to step away, take a quick break, Talk about whether Wisconsin can compete as well as is all of this ruining the sports? Because I think that's separate from is it changing them? Because the answer to that is yes. But is it ruining the sports? That's coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back. Kenny and Heilprin. Greg Gard is joining us next at 630 talking everything about the landscape of college sports as well as his upcoming event this weekend and what to expect during the summer. So Zach, you mentioned something before we hit break, will Wisconsin be able to compete in this large NIL free market world? And it's something we're going to talk about forever. Um, I think from the indications we have seen, I, I guess a disclaimer has to be put out there that right now in college football before NIL, there were probably only seven schools that can win the national title that have a recruiting profile that large and have everything in place to go do it. And those are the teams we've seen win for pretty much the last, what, 20 years, if not more. Um, so it was already something that was doubtful, but I, I feel kind of comfortable saying um, maybe in both sports, although there is more variance in basketball uh, in the NCAA tournament, I, I feel kind of comfortable saying that it, like in this new world, I, I don't, I, I'm not confident Wisconsin will ever compete for a national title. Without changes to either the way things are being done NIL wise and that type of stuff, like if if there, we all think that there has to be changes, right? Will yes. there be changes? We don't know. But if there are, are no changes and it just stays the way it is right now, um, and Wisconsin doesn't change who they are, and they have been pretty steadfast so far in saying that's who we are, we're never going to be that that group that's going to be throwing money at uh, players to come play for them. It's gonna be very. I, you would seem you would, it would seem to be more difficult than it already is at this point. Like it, you're already fighting an uphill battle because of who you are. Like you have sustained success for 30 years, which Wisconsin has, and 
people know them as a winning school, but you wouldn't necessarily say they're a national championship contender on a, on a yearly basis. Could they jump up and grab somebody? Yes, obviously. We saw 2017, they had a chance. 2019, they gave themselves a chance outside of a couple of uh, <laughs> uh, stumbles Hiccups. here and there. But like they, and we saw in 2015 with the, with the basketball team, like there, there are chances if everything comes together to jump up and, and get that. But I think in this market, it makes it even more difficult. But even making the playoff, look at Michigan last year. I would argue, although they made the playoff and Michigan State from 2016, although they made the playoff or 2015, maybe, although they made it, I don't think they were contending for a national title. Well, we didn't know what Georgia was going to do to them. Um, probably should have seen it coming just because the way Georgia's like Michigan's offense wasn't nearly good enough last year, right? Like they, their defense is what got them to the college football playoff. Their offense was okay, but it was what they did defensively against Ohio state that got them to the, to the uh, big 10 title game and to win the big 10 and then to go on and play in the, in the college football playoff. But they just were going up against a defense. That's the best that's ever played. It's ridiculous. And like Georgia's offense, I don't think Georgia's offense like blew anybody away, like with what they did. But in that game, I'm saying, but they still, they were the national champion and were much, much better than Michigan. Or, uh, yeah. So I, do I think they were a contender? Yeah, they were in the college football playoff. They were Michigan, it, Wisconsin has in the college football playoff and Michigan in the college football playoff, two different things talent wise. Like it's at a different level. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I also think this brings up an interesting question about whether this changing market, because all this will do is make the rich richer. I don't think anyone will deny that. You see Alabama going and getting still all the best transfers, all the best players. Same with Georgia. And and Saban said, you know, this portal stuff isn't great for the sport. I think part of that was he said, all right, I'm going to go get Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who's one of the best backs in the country. I'm going to go get one of the best cornerbacks in the country. I'm just going to go fill every hole I had on my roster with some of the best players. So it's unfair to all of you, which is kind of what he was saying. But does this, I guess, ruin the sport not ruined but does this take away from what it is because I still argue and whenever I turn on a Wisconsin football season or even basketball I'm not watching to see them win the national title that's not what like in the NFL you watch to see if your team can win a Super Bowl in in college football to if I'm being completely honest I go into a Wisconsin season thinking oh I hope this is the year they win the Big Ten and I never expect anything past that so I like my argument is even in this world and if Wisconsin can never go and beat an SEC team in the playoff, I'm okay with that as long as they can get over the hump and win the Big Ten because that's what it's regional. That's what being a college football fan is. I don't really care about the South and what they're doing there because those teams are ridiculous. How would you feel if uh, it has nothing to do with team success, but in this current environment, someone comes in and says, hey, Braylon Allen, I'll give you whatever you want. Come on down to my school. Will you still be uh, – in love with college football and the way that it's being uh, run, if that were to happen and he were to go, I'm not saying he would because he's got plenty of opportunities here in Wisconsin and, and other places to get money. But say somebody's just willing to throw a million dollars at him to come down and play. What if happened one, with if Jordan to, Addison? If they're willing to throw, yes, if they're willing to throw $3 million at a wide receiver to come out to, to uh, SC, would they not give a million and a half or two for Braylon Allen? Oh, this is something I could talk about forever. We're running up against it. But my my short answer is no. It, it would not change it because it would. at the same. But you kind of get it because you, we, would be, you wouldn't like it, though. Oh, oh, I would hate it. Yeah. I, I would absolutely hate like it. Right now, you don't hate things. You don't. You, do you hate what, what this is right now? 
Uh, I don't think you hate it. No. I think you would hate it if one of the players that you love seeing every Saturday went and took a million and a half or $2 million from another school. You're right. You're right. And it might happen. And I'll cross that bridge when we get there. All right. Greg Gard, Wisconsin men's basketball coach. He's going to join us next. It's Kenny and Halprin. This is Kenny and Halprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back. Kenny and Heilprin. Twitter, Kenny underscore Heilprin. You can always find us there. Podcast up after the show concludes. But joining us now on the hotline, two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year, Wisconsin basketball head coach Greg Gard. He has his Guarding Against Cancer event this Saturday at the Kohl Center. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ben. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on with us. So, Guarding Against Cancer this Saturday, 4.30 at the Kohl Center. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. It's raised $5 million in five years of existence for cancer research here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, tremendous event, obviously, for a very important issue. What else should the people know uh, about what's coming up on Saturday? Well, I mean, it's, it's going to be a great event. And actually, the people have been so good here, Ben and Zach, that we're going to go over $6 million, <laughs> um, on Saturday night, it looks like. So... We're extremely excited. Um, we're going to have Charlie Barons as our uh, our keynote speaker, so we're going to get a little bit of comedy from the uh, Manitowoc Minutes own. Uh, we got Soggy Prairie playing in the reception that time. Madison County will wrap up the evening with a little concert, but uh, you know we'll have some speakers uh, from the Carbone Center. Dr. Bailey, um, another doctor, Dusty Deming is also going to speak. I'm also going to address the crowd for a little bit, but. Uh, you know, just uh, it, it's great to be able to get everybody back after having to take a time out for a couple of years with the pandemic of, of doing this type of a large event where there'll be, you know, 700 people uh, in the Kohl Center, in the bowl of the Kohl Center. So um, it's great to everybody back together. Uh, people have been phenomenal over the last five years across the state um, with their support, whether it's been philanthropically or just emotionally, I think it's it's hopefully benefited a lot of people, not only at the Carbone Center, but also with some of the patient care initiatives we've been able to fund and do across the state. So I'm really excited to Kentucky Derby theme. So um, anybody that's attended or has tickets, make sure we uh, they uh, have an opportunity to uh, dress it up that night. Well, do you do you have a hat planned for yourself there yet? I have. I actually have a seersucker, um, <laughs> little bow tie. Uh, my hats, I'm waiting for, they were shipped to me. I'm waiting for them to arrive to uh, make sure I get the right one that goes with my, uh, it'll be a one-time appearance with the seersucker, though, Zach, though. <laughs> I'm not going to stroll the sidelines no. in a uh, white white and red uh, seersucker. So it's sharp, but we'll see how it looks on me. It looks great on the hanger. We'll see how it looks on me Saturday night. <laughs> oh, love it. So how's this off season been so far? Obviously it ends in March. Was it just, did you have any time off or was it right back to going to the portal and looking at the roster going forward? Uh, we literally arrived home on midnight at midnight on that Sunday night. And, uh, the portal world started 7am Monday morning. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's been uh, a little bit of downtime. We had a dead period a couple weeks ago where my wife and I were able to escape and get out of town for a little bit, but uh, right back into it. And it's, you know, it, it is what it is. And I don't know how deep in the weeds you guys want to go on Portal and NIL and that world, but 
um, you know, I think our we've been able to continually find the right people here and the right uh, players that want to be a part of Wisconsin. And, and we've had a good spring. We, they've been in the weight room for four weeks, on the court for three weeks. Um, just wrapped that up this past week. So now we're heading into finals and we'll get a little time off before we come back in mid-June. We want to dive deep into the weeds, Greg, um, because obviously it's such a huge story right now. And the transfer portal is just crazy. There are so many names in there. I'm sure it's just a a whirlwind for your guys and your staff. I'm wondering for you, first of all, it it seems like every guy that ends up in the portal is like, yeah, I heard from Wisconsin. Is that the case? Are you guys reaching out to all these these different guys? And how do you decide? You know, I know you've probably recruited some of these guys, but how do you decide which ones to go after and which ones, um, you know, to let go elsewhere? Yeah, I think you you probably take the approach of contact first and decide later. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, just because you have to, you know, in the normal recruiting world, we recruit and build relationships for two, three, four, sometimes five years. If we have a kid on, you know, that we really think is going to be good and we have them at camp in grade school. And the transfer portal is basically speed dating. We have to contact, make decisions all within probably 10 to 14 days. You, you We better be in, in go mode if we're going to do it. Um, so, it's it's a lot of gathering of film it's analyzing stats it's, i mean everybody now has a website where they they can cross compare uh the analytics of how a kid coming from lower mid-major would fare in the high major how they project going from conference to conference uh so there's a lot of you know i guess people are trying to make a living off the transfer portal too and trying to provide coaches different services but um a lot of film work a lot of a lot of watching talking to people obviously coaches Maybe there's a connection to their previous stops, um, whether it be in college or we know where they're from. Um, so it's there's a lot of moving parts to it, and it changes literally by the hour. Um, every time I refresh Twitter and and uh, you know look at who's gone into the portal, we go right to verifying that they're truly in it. Uh, we can't trust everything on Twitter, believe that or not. Um, and uh, then you kind of make your decision on what's the good fit, and then how do you balance scholarships? Because if you take a kid that has two or more years, then you're reducing what you can use in the next, you know, high school class. So um, there's, there's a lot of, it's not an exact science. Um, and I think the, you know, just being flexible and adaptable and, and uh, is the most important thing. So I guess going a little more big picture, where do you view the state and I guess trajectory of college basketball right now? Because obviously waves were made during draft time of the Miami kid who said that he wanted a bigger NIL deal because he saw a transfer come in and get one. Where do you view? Because as a coach who's obviously been coaching before this all happened last year and then now going through it, where do you view kind of where the sport is and maybe where it's going going forward? Well, I, Today on May fifth, we're not in a great place. Um, to be honest with you, I think the what was feared the consequences would be if this all came to fruition with NIL and transfer portal without a lot of regulation and guidelines, it would turn into what we've seen here over the last month or so. Um, and, and I think both. I want to preface this: both are good. I think both in time will have the proper. I guess route, so to speak, or proper place. But with how NIL has been used to kind of fuel the transfer portal and transfer portal has been used to up the NIL, uh, everything that was intended for this to be about, it's kind of gotten off the track in a, in a major way. So, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's leaked into, we did not want the, the uh, NIL to become a recruiting de- inducement and, and, and seep into the world of recruiting. It has. We did not want it to become pay for play, basically. We've seen in some cases it has. So coaches are not supposed to be involved with it. Um, I don't know what my guys got in NIL. We have a great platform here and a market for them to to be in that world if they choose to. But I, the biggest thing is none of us have a rule book or a playbook to work out of. We're all creating our own, so to speak, and, and that leads to a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion. So how do you approach it then? Because you are competing against these programs that are going about it a certain way. We've heard about these the, the, the collectives that uh, put together the money. Wisconsin currently does not have one. Um, how do you compete about it if, if you don't know exactly what the future is going to hold? And, and uh, how do you stay competitive in this marketplace? Yeah, I think regardless, um, no matter what the future holds, we're not going to get into the astronomical numbers. That's just not who we are. As an institution, that's not who we are as a department. That's not who we are as a program. So our student-athletes have had terrific opportunities to supplement their experience with the NIL. Um, but I, my biggest fear with both those, the portal and the NIL, is they've kind of been on a collision course with each other, is that education has become devalued. And, and that's something I've forewarned our guys all the way back to July 1st a year ago the NIL is going to be great. You're going to have wonderful opportunities to supplement. You know, if you want extra income, you can do that as long as it doesn't interfere with the other parts of your life. But don't let the NIL be more valuable to you than your education because the NIL is going to exit the day you exit the locker room for the last time. It's over, and you're not going to be able to retire on that money. Um, You have to be able to have something in place for the next 40, 50 years of your life, hence your degree. It's hard to explain sometimes and understand when you're 18 to 20 years old. They don't maybe see that far down the road. And I think the thing with the portal, because of the bouncing of schools, what I've seen is that credits don't don't go with you, not all of them anyway. And then your your graduation time gets behind your eligibility time. And when your eligibility expires, the desire to stay and continue and finish out your degree decreases and my fear is that we're going to watch graduation rates nationally in men's basketball take a dip we've done a really good job as an organization with the nabc to put things in place to help student athletes increase graduation rates specifically in in minority student athletes we were at 20 some percent seven eight years ago now we're up over 60 with the student with the minority student population in men's basketball and across the board, whether it's minority students or, or not, uh, the the willingness to, to finish that graduation and cross that graduation line becomes more difficult when you don't have all those credits going with you and it and extends the amount of time you got to spend in college without playing. It's just uh, it's it's not an, uh, as incentive driven as what it is when you're still when you still have eligibility left. So that's one of my long term affect fears that could come out of this yeah it's really interesting because a lot of what we always hear as outsiders is just this guy got this or he's going for this and not necessarily how it would affect the fabric of what college sports are or were meant to be i want to ask you would you when you talk about possible solutions would you be in favor of something like a transfer portal window where instead of this long time that people can 
enter because you talked about the sheer volume of it, maybe a two to three week stretch where it could be controlled a little more and schools maybe have roster finality going into the year and throughout the year. Uh, all of those guidelines like that typically get fought and shot down with a waiver. You know, everybody, has, we all have a waiver process now. Everything can legally be challenged. I, I think maybe one of the better solutions that I've heard that hasn't gotten enough momentum behind it was that you can't transfer until after the end of your second year in college. Every freshman is unhappy. Even the general student population, they're homesick. They aren't playing enough. They aren't getting enough minutes. They're not playing at all. My coach doesn't like me. Whatever it may be, all freshmen have gone through struggles for the most part, unless they're playing an astronomical amount. And that's normal. You're going to have a transition period where you have to adjust. And guess what? You're not the best player on your team anymore. And and I think that adaptability time to once you get through year two, you kind of figure things out. And maybe life isn't as bad as what you maybe envisioned. The other thing is, one of the things I've heard here in our meetings nationally is that you aren't eligible to do anything NIL-driven until you start your sophomore year. So there it keeps it out of the recruiting inducement world where you can be, you know, whether it's whispered or shouted from the mountaintops on what you can do in an NIL world, you can't do that until year two. So it, it doesn't – it softens to some of the impact uh, of – the world of recruiting inducement. So those haven't gone anywhere. I, I think we've got to find uh, ways to, to – uh, we're not going to change. Hell's not going away. We're, the transfer portal's not going away. But can we adapt, adjust, just like we've done with everything else that's come new to college athletics, can we find a better way? And I think sometimes you have to do that through some growing pains. We found out this uh, all the – the negatives that have come out of them. There's been a lot of positives, and I, I agree with kids being able to move and, and find a different spot. That's that's great. Um, my concern is more long-term of, like I mentioned, with graduation, what are you going to do life after when the lights go out in the stadium uh, and you have nowhere else to go? Um, are you ready and, and prepared and well-equipped for what's next in life? Or are we just going to be tossing these guys out on the street and say, good luck, um, we're not helping uh, like we should be with with being mentors and coaches and teachers for for people for life. If we're just utilizing them and and just for the eligibility and then you know kicking them to the curb, let's leave have them leave here well prepared for whatever comes next in life. Greg Gard joining us, head coach, Wisconsin men's basketball again, guarding against cancer this Saturday at the Cole Center. I want to go back on the court. For a second, uh, what do you think of the transfers Wisconsin has brought in? What do you think Kamari McGee and Max Klesmet are going to be able to bring to the team and to the program? Well, I can only talk about Kamari because uh, I haven't gotten the official word on every paperwork being signed on the other one you mentioned. <laughs> so um, I'm not going to violate any rules here. Uh, you know, Kamari, I think, in state, you know, won a state championship at Racine State Cats, played on a really good team. Uh, played for a terrific high school coach in Nick Bennett. And then going to Green Bay, I think, got his feet wet in college basketball. I would say I know the head coach there pretty well and know the job he does and know how well Kamari would have been indoctrinated into college basketball, even though he didn't have a great year. He, he's going to be taught and be around people that I trust. So when he decided that he wanted to play at a higher level and challenge himself, so to speak, it just made sense in terms of looking at our roster and we saw how it 
you know, wrapped up there in, in March against Iowa State when Chucky goes down and, and we've already been depleted with Lauren going back home, Bowman, uh, you know, we need to, to depth deepen our bench. And, you know, we were able to survive the last eight, nine games and win the league uh, with a depleted bench. Um, and that's going to happen through injuries, COVID, flu, whatever, all the stuff we dealt with through the year. But I, just adding depth was important. And, and the depth of the right people, the right players, the right fit, guys that want to be here. You know, um, you know, Kamari and his, and his parents and uh, family friends that were at the house when I did a home visit with him, when he did go in the portal, they, they went into tears when I offered him a scholarship just because of – the desire to be here at Wisconsin and growing up being a Badger fan and knowing that, you know, it's, he wants to be a part of something bigger than himself and, and think he can help us in in ways and can still, I think can get a lot better, but he competes. He, he wants to be a part of a winning program. Um, I think he can help us defensively. Uh, I think it'll be good for him and Chucky to go head to head and practice a lot. So it's uh, it, it was a very good fit in a lot of ways. Greg, do you have an idea? I mean, you still have a few spots open. Um, I, I don't know how you want to. F- do you know how you want to fill those yet? Are you gonna Are you gonna continue to look in the transfer portal? I know you guys are still after some guys there, but potentially another ad- addition in the twenty twenty two class. Or do you push the push the scholarship down the, down the line? Well, that's that's the uh, that's the puzzle that you have to put together, Zach. Because every transfer portal athlete that we would take that has more than one year left that reduces the scholarships that you use in 23 or 24 and go on down the road. So it's, it's not an exact science. I would say our discussions and talks about that kind of morph every day based on who we're talking to, who's in the portal, who's not, who we're talking to in terms of the younger kids. We've had a lot of younger guys visit here recently. It's kind of been a flurry. Um, and they understand that. It's one thing about the portal. I, I think it's kind of pushed the high school kids to the back burner. Um, and maybe they haven't gotten the opportunities because a lot of coaches are looking for experience. And, and uh, so you have to find that balance of, you know, you want it, you want now, and then you can't uh, have then. So you can't have it both ways. Um, you know, one-year guys that are good fits that academically come in and get in the door here. Um, I'd love to find another Chris vote. Right. I think he was terrific for us and fit his role and knew who he was and knew who he wasn't. We've talked about that before. Um, But, um, you know, finding that fit and making sure all the boxes get checked, so to speak, or even though there's 1,600 names in the portal, uh, the vast majority are probably not um, likely for, for our program. So, Guardian Against Cancer, again, this Saturday at the Kohl's Center. Where can people go to find more information? Uh, they can go to our website the best way. Uh, go to guardingagainstcancer.org, which is G-A-R-D-I-N-G, againstcancer.org. Uh, all the information there with how they can donate. Tickets are sold out for Saturday night's event, but they can still donate. Uh, they can still be a part of other events. We have a golf outing coming up July 18th at Nakoma. Uh, here in Madison, which will be our uh, partnership event with Enovino. We're going to actually have a din- dinner at Enovino downtown on the top of the AC Marriott in July after that golf outing. And then we'll we'll migrate around the state again. Eau Claire is our destination this fall, so we'll be up there in September. Uh, we'll play Eau Claire in the uh, exhibition game next November. 
So continue our statewide outreach and, uh, you know, be able to help not only here locally with the Carbone Center, but also in different spots around the state. So go to guardingagainstcancer.org. That'll be, uh, that'll give you all the information and also a contact person to reach out to as well. Awesome. Greg, really appreciate the time and we'll look forward to touching base again down the road. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Wisconsin basketball coach Greg Gard. Go to guardingagainstcancer.org. Again, G-A-R-D-I-N-G, againstcancer.org. Big event at the Cole Center Saturday. They have more coming up this summer, raising money for cancer research and patient care here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Zach, the, the part about that interview that made me the saddest, we will not see the derby hat and outfit on the sidelines next year. Nope, just the sheer sicker on uh, Saturday night. I was thinking about asking him if if a uh, if a Wisconsin quarter zip was part of the attire, to the, <laughs> but I, I figured that was not the time or place. All right, we're wrapping it up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. segment before we get out of here kenny and heilprin if you missed any of the greg guard spot it'll be up on the podcast just search kenny and heilprin or follow kenny underscore heilprin on twitter and it will all be posted there as well as highlights and comments to note um zach i'm gonna ask you first what what stuck what stood out from his comments about the state of the sport i mean it's obvious that he's not overly happy i don't think a lot of people are overly happy with with the way things are right now and he certainly uh came out and said that i think some of the solutions that he suggested uh probably faced a little bit of an uphill battle of 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 happening like i but again people are putting out ideas to try and figure this out and and they're doing a lot more than what i'm doing right now and talking about it so yes uh, instead of just complaining about it but i think it's also the idea that they're not going to that they are not going to get into the market of throwing astronomical numbers of people and astronomical number of dollars of people. And I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody that has followed the program for the last 20 some odd years and the football program the same way. Like that's just not who they are. Um, whether you agree with that or not, that's just not who they are. And um, I, I feel like if there's nothing's going to change in that respect, and, and I don't, I'm not saying it should, I'm not saying it shouldn't. If nothing else changes on the other front, like where there, there's no clamp down on the money, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to um, compete at a national level on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, I, I got that as well. Um, the the solution, I, I think whatever solutions are brought up, say, between today and when big-time college sports move to a independent model from the NCAA, whatever's brought up and whatever happens, I feel like it'll be slapping a Band-Aid on, like, a, a, a massive wound. Like, you get, I don't know, bitten by a, by a shark and you try to put a Band-Aid on it, right? Like, it's something that could maybe help a little bit or, or help in a few areas. But when you're trying to govern an area this large and, and this significant as college sports with these, this amount of different people and sizes and levels of play and everything. I don't think there can be one rule that just fixes it all. So yeah, I, I, I think there will be good initiatives that try to get past, but I mean, as with a lot of things, then the powerful people will then go and say, you know what? I don't like it. See ya. Sticking with that shark analogy right now, they are in the water without a cage and the sharks are coming 
and now they're trying to get back into the cage. It's it's not like there's no cage to get back in. The cage, and I, I'm scared of the ocean, so I don't like this analogy very much. I don't want to <laughs> think about swimming. I, I, no one like I I think a majority of people do not want to be swimming with sharks. I kind of do. I I, mm. I I I'm definitely afraid of sharks, but I want I kind of want to get in one of those tanks and and get in there and just be like, hey, just get, just get over your fear. So that means you would legislate before you jumped in the water. You would yes. you would if you were the NCAA, you would have had some broad guidelines in place before you allowed NIL and everything so that when you go in the shark water, you have the cage. I, and I'm I'm very one of those type of people that put stuff off and like kind of like the NCAA, just pushes it off, pushes it off, and then try and do it at the last minute. But in this situation, yes, I would have been like, I would have researched the cage. I would have researched the boat. I would have researched the company that I was doing it with. And the sharks. I would have researched the sharks. The sharks at USC have some power, man. I would have researched all that stuff before I actually got in the water. Yeah. Um, they... They just jumped in. I shouldn't even say jumped in. They got pushed in. They got pushed in. By, Amer- by, by the population of America. Yes, they got pushed in. <laughs> they got, well, they got pushed in. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. We're back next Thursday, 6 o'clock. Nine. See ya. Nine. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.